Hey guys, my name is Calvin, and you're listening to Pastor Chats. Let's go. All right, guys. Well, I'm excited about today because I am. uh, This is interesting, Brandon, because this is my first time to do a remote podcast. So where I'm I'm not in the actual room with the person I'm speaking with. But uh, thanks to Mr. Steve Jobs and FaceTime, uh, I can see your glorious beard on the screen. Uh, So. Uh, so, guys, today I'm really excited about this because I am with uh, Dr. Brandon O'Brien, and he and I met uh, when you were the director uh, at OBU at NLC, which was our college at the time, now NLC College, mm-hmm. and uh, you got uh, you got that started, and it's been an amazing thing, I know, for our church and, and many students, and so you and I met um, there uh, the years you were doing that and uh, we definitely didn't get to hang enough I agree yeah, yeah. which is sort of our deal because we all have so much to do <laughs> <So> <laughs> I think that's a, I think that's a general uh, a general struggle for everybody now I think yeah. uh, so um, but uh, Brandon why don't you uh, why don't you just take a second and kind of give everybody a, a little synopsis of, of who you are so we can kind of intro uh, you to everybody that may not know you. I know there'll be a lot of people listening uh, today that do know you, but there's there's uh, probably a good handful that that do not. So why don't you take a second and kind of uh, you know give us a thirty thousand foot view? Sure, great. Well, thanks for having me. I I hate that uh, I had to move away for us <laughs> to have a conversation, you know, like this. But I know. Um, so yeah, so I uh, am originally from Bentonville, uh, Arkansas. So I'm an Arkansas boy, and I like to uh, remind people that it was there was nothing there when I grew up there. It's a you know <laughs> cool place to go now, but at the time there was really not a lot happening. Um, but I had I loved it, uh, loved that part of the state. Um, my wife and I met at college at Washita and um, Arkadelphia, and then moved to the Chicago suburbs for grad school, and we're there for about eight years. Um, and I went to Wheaton College for a master's degree and then Trinity Divinity School for a PhD. And um, we moved back to, and I, a lot happened obviously while we were there. We had our first child and mm-hmm. I worked in publishing and did a number of things. Uh, we moved back to Conway, or back to Arkansas and to Conway in, uh, I don't know, 2013 maybe. Mm-hmm. Um, and uh, yeah, worked to to get OBU at NLC started, uh, mm-hmm. which was a real joy, and to work with New Life Church and Washita, my alma mater. So it was really cool to pull those things together. Um, and uh, uh, almost about two and a half years ago, we moved from Conway and are now in Manhattan, uh, where I work for Redeemer City to City, which is an organization that supports church planting in uh, in cities around the world so we're active on six continents and we have um i always lose track of the numbers but you know 80 or 90 cities and you know lots of countries maybe more cities than that lots of countries and um our job is really to kind of 
help local leadership, um, you know, develop church planting networks in their cities. Uh-huh. And so uh, to move beyond just one church plant, one church plant, one church plant to getting uh, churches and networks and denominations that are working in a place into relationship with each other so that they're working together to reach the whole city. Wow. And uh, my particular job in that is developing um, con- content resources, which is a really vague term, but it's, it's basically <laughs> anything that's not in-person training. So books and articles and blogs and podcasts and videos and that kind of thing. Gotcha. Um, and so, uh, yeah, so I love it. I get to work with pastors from all over the world, and it's just a real, uh, you know, it's, a, it's an honor. It, it increases your joy because you just, mm. you know, there's a lot of things that are happening. A lot of people in America, for example, are worried about the state of Christianity or churches are closing and, mm-hmm. you know, et cetera. If that's the only thing you see, it's easy to think that the church like capital C globally is in really bad shape. Right. Uh, but when you get the privilege of kind of seeing what's worldwide, you realize, man, the gospel is going everywhere mm-hmm. and it's, and it's going there faster and faster, you know? So right. it's really encouraging uh, to be able to see that. Um, it's also kind of, it makes the world feel smaller. And so when there are disasters yeah. places, you know, the people who live there and minister there, it, it, uh, it there's kind of a heaviness with that, but it's, um, yeah, it's been a real joy and privilege to to do this, and um, I'm just kind of hanging on to this. You know, it's a, a global movement. Uh, we have absolutely no control over it, <laughs> so we're just sort of yeah along for the ride and grateful that uh, we get to be a part of it. So. Just riding the wave, riding the wave. Yeah, yeah. trying to stay at least you know chin and above out of the water. <laughs> <laughs> I, I think that's all of us actually. Yeah, <laughs> that should probably be the first point in a class on pastoral or really any ministry. You're just going to yeah. try to keep your head above water. And if you do that, you've been successful. The Lord will say, well done, good and faithful servants. Well, you've written, uh, I know at least two books. If you've written more than that, tell me, because uh, I know of, of two that I personally have. Okay, yeah, there, there are uh, three more. Three more. You've written five. Yeah. Five books, yeah. You're an overachiever. <laughs> now I feel That's convicted. <laughs> <laughs> Me too. I, I mean, I'm lazy. A normal achiever is okay, but... <laughs> yeah. <laughs> well, so you've written five, um, yeah. bragger. Um, <laughs> but uh, the one that, um, that we're going to talk about today... And really, it's it's really what this book, uh, the broader subject and the broader topic that this book covers, uh, is um, the one that you you wrote um, with uh, Randolph Richards. It's it's misreading scripture with Western eyes, and the yeah. subtitle of that's removing cultural blinders to better understand the Bible. And and so really, uh, for our listeners, we're we're really having. Uh, a hermeneutical conversation today, uh, yeah. conversation on hermeneutics, and maybe could you give just a real brief um, definition of hermeneutics for for everybody? Yeah, uh, yeah. So um, I, I guess the very briefest definition of hermeneutics would be it's it's the method of how you interpret what you read. 
Um, mm-hmm. And so it, uh, it has to do with how you, not just reading a text, but how you make sense of it and um, kind of read it in light of other things. And so um, I'm about to start rambling. So maybe I'll start th- stop there. Uh, <laughs> no, we can great. <laughs> so, yeah. Uh, but yeah, it, and I think for the, you know, as it relates to misreading scripture with Western eyes and other things that I care a lot about, uh, it has to do with the things that we assume when we read the text, a text, in, and for us right now, we're talking about the Bible, um, and which is to say that all of us have a method of reading the Bible, whether we know we have one or not, um, and we have assumptions when we read the Bible, whether we know that we have them or not, and so right. one of the things that I'm interested in is trying to figure out what those assumptions are and what difference they make. Yeah. Why it's important that we, we were careful when we read, you know, really, I I think if we're honest, anything, any material that we read, we really tend to read things for bias confirmation. Oh yeah. I mean, let's let's be honest. I mean, we really tend to do that. And because, uh, you know, so many people do not read their Bibles. They do not read the scriptures. But when they do, a lot of times they're doing it to find something that proves what they told somebody or proves their behavior or justifies something. Like, wait a minute, I know this is in the Bible. I got I to find this so I can show them I was right. <laughs> That's right. Yeah. Uh, yeah. Uh, I mean, people, I'm reminded of an episode of, of Everybody Loves Raymond. And his mom <laughs> did that. She's like, I know it's got to be in here somewhere. And then it was something about, you know, put a bit in your donkey's mouth. <laughs> yeah. she re- you know, it was just something ex- ex- just completely random and not applicable. But uh, she found something that she could read, you know. So I, I think I think if we're not careful, we do that with any text. But I know for a fact, being a pastor, that we definitely do it with the scriptures. We definitely do it with the Word of God and with the Bible. That's right. Well, and I can speak as someone who has written publicly, and everybody has experienced this, I'm sure, on Facebook or whatever else. But, I mean, we do this even in our interactions with each other, where if somebody posts uh, online about something, then the comments pretty quickly turn into, oh, so you're saying this and this and this and this. And really, <laughs> what, you're, what you're doing there is you're doing hermeneutics. So you're reading the words that they wrote, and then you're looking underneath those words at what they mean. Um, and uh, that turns into you know, a bloodbath pretty fast when, <laughs> you know, when the two people clearly disagree about something and one says, well, you're, I didn't say that, you just think I said that. And, I, and that's really what we're talking about with when we talk about hermeneutics, right? Is that that's a um, example. the words on the page and then there's what I think they mean or, or what you think they mean. And anybody who, who has been married uh, for <laughs> any time knows that two people can hear the same thing and interpret it very differently. Right. Oh yeah, uh, absolutely. And uh, so I think that that, yeah. And that, um, I don't remember a time in my adulthood when, this whole process was more uh, dangerous and contentious than it is right now. Like we, we misunderstand all the time and it almost seems like we do it on purpose. We do it, you know, so predictably. Um, But, 
But I think also that means that we're looking for that confirmation bias in everything we read. We're looking for a fight in everything we read. And um, I think whether we mean to or not, we bring those habits with us to the Bible. Um, I think people who believe that the Bible is true are looking for confirmation bias, and people who think that it's not are looking for anything they can grab and and say, see, this is why this is a ridiculous book, right? And so, right. but both of us are doing damage to it because we're coming to it to get what we want, not right. to, not to be, not to really engage it on its own terms. Right. Yeah, absolutely. I always tell my congregation that I don't want to be uh, more conservative than scripture is. And I don't want to be more liberal than scripture is. I want to land yeah. on what the scripture actually teaches apart yeah. from my bias uh, because right. you know i'm supposed to according to scripture have a renewed mind by the water the washing of the word so the the yeah. point of of this whole thing before we get into sort of method is that uh the the point of the word is to change me not to change the word to fit me right and yeah. and we do that with jesus we do that with the word uh, you know, we we try to add Jesus onto us and make him like us when everything he did was to make us like him uh, because that's what the father desired. And, yeah. And, and so but we we definitely we definitely do this. And I, I totally agree with you that we we do it with any text, but especially with the Bible, because uh, we understand at least most people understand that if even if you're halfway a believer or you're not even a believer, but maybe you grew up in church or you've been around followers of Christ, you understand that at least there are people that understand that for them and for those of us who believe that the words in that book have eternal implications. Uh, so I definitely, uh, I love, I just love the title of your book because, <laughs> because people do not realize if you've never traveled to the East, uh, you've never traveled to the middle East or, um, really anywhere outside of here. That's not exactly perfectly always first world. Uh, mm. you, you realize the difference in culture very quickly and, right. uh, it, it's if we're not careful as uh, a Westerner, we will completely botch uh, everything written in Scripture because the people who wrote Scripture were from the ancient Near East, and that's right. The Eastern mindset is so uh, maybe even you could say diametrically opposed to the way mm. a Westerner thinks. Yeah, let's get into method maybe a little bit. Um, yeah. you know, not to, not to make it dry or feel like they're in a class, but to kind of help people, because I know being a pastor, talking to people about scripture all the time. And I know, you know, this, that they, they're like, I'm not sure I'm reading this right. What does this mean? How do I yeah. find what it means? Yeah. You know, I, I'm not, sh I'm not sure, you know, or, uh, they do the, the, the good Sunday school thing of, read a passage and well what do you think that means what does that mean to you <laughs> and right. and they don't understand that what they're doing is completely botching scripture because ultimately it doesn't matter what it means to you and me it matters what it means and it That's says right. what it means and it matters in the context of the original audience the occasion yep. of the original audience and, and the goal of of uh, the person writing that particular book and so 
um, let's let's give them sort of a, a little bit of method to yeah. how can we prevent ourselves from misreading scripture, which ultimately leads to us misinterpreting scripture, which means that that leads to us misapplying and misappropriating scripture, which That's is right. which is dangerous. It's just flat out. It's dangerous to our faith. It's dangerous to the kingdom because it affects. Uh, how uh, people who are not followers of Christ view followers of Christ, yeah. and, and and so so let's let's talk a little bit about what 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 do you believe is 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 the and maybe that's a terrible way to put it. I just did my own thing, <laughs> um, but let let's talk to them about. Everybody has a slightly different way to say the hermeneutic method, but but let, let let's start at square one. So I'm I'm reading a passage. I want to be sure that I read this objectively uh, in context and that yeah. I apply it properly properly to my life. What's the first step? Yeah, good. Yeah, so I think um, that's a great way to start us. So uh, when we're reading a passage um, and we want to cut, we want to understand, as you said, what it meant to the first audience that heard it. Right. A, right. A, a great way that I've heard this summarized, and I, I don't know who said this originally, but that a, a passage of Scripture can't, it can't mean what it never meant, right? Like, mm. so it, it doesn't mean something new today that it didn't mean when it was originally written. And so our job is to figure out, if it's a letter from Paul, what did Paul mean when he wrote it, and what did his audience hear when they heard it? Mm-hmm. And that's our first task, is to get back there, right? So, um, so I think that there's kind of there's three things that I think are really important, and I think most conversations really focus on the first two and forget the last one. So okay. the first one we're talking about context is um, what's the literary context, mm-hmm. um, and so and then the, each of these categories gets complicated again. But you know the kind of the very first thing to ask is like what kind of uh, writing is this? Yes. So. Is it a poem? Is it a proverb? Is it history? Is it a letter? Um, in all of you know, and all of those play by different rules. And so, um, so we're talking about what kind of what kind of writing is it? That's a genre question, right? Yes. And a great way to think of the difference in how you read these things is if you receive a bill from the electric company, and it starts out, you know. Dear valued customer, you read that and you're like, whatever, just what do I owe? You know, so you you skim through and you look at the bottom line and it's like, I owe this much money. Okay. You know, I don't care about the rest of the language. Um, if you get a letter, you know, a love letter from somebody that you love, you're going to read every word and you're going to say, Ooh, they said, I'm, they said, I really miss you instead of I miss you. You know, I wonder why they said really. And, right. and so you're, you know, you're reading that in a very different way because it's a different kind of literature. Absolutely. And nobody can tell you when you get it, you should read this like a bill because we just automatically know how we read bills. Right. right. Um, and so if we know that something is uh, poetry and then we know that the, the author is going to take some liberties so that it follows a certain structure, maybe it rhymes, maybe there's repetition, etc. Maybe there's exaggeration or, something and so you don't take it uh you don't take every term literally mm-hmm. i think for example in the psalms you know where david says something like 
my bones were wasting away and you know all that it's like his, he didn't have a disease we know what he means is right metaphorically i felt like i was you know falling to pieces or something right um if we read that same phrase in you know in a history or in a in a textbook we might think oh my gosh his he was literally wasting away and we don't even consciously necessarily make that switch we right. just we just know. So one thing that we have to do is figure out what kind of writing is this. And that helps us understand whether we're going to take everything exactly literally or if some things will be metaphorical and right. that helps. Then the other part of the sort of literary context is, you know, what's happening before and after this thing that I'm reading. Mm -hmm. um, so, you know, is that, is it part of a larger story? Uh, how does it fit with, you know, other parts of the Bible? So if I'm reading something and, you know, uh, Matthew, then I might read that same story kind of in light of what I understand from Luke or from Mark or John, you know, so it's, it's trying to understand how, not just what kind of literature is it, but how does it fit in the big, mm -hmm. you know, ongoing story that, right. that we're reading. Right. right. The greater context. The greater context. Right. Yeah. So that's the, the kind of the literary context side. What makes it hard to, uh, kind of access th those things is that the other sort of context uh, column is the cultural context. Right. So what we mean by poetry is not exactly the rules of English poetry are not the same as the rules for Hebrew poetry. Right. Or what makes a good letter in English in America isn't the same as what makes a good letter in <laughs> Greek in the first century. Right. So, right. so we have to understand. So we have to figure out, when we read, uh, even if we know the genre and we know the context, we have to figure out now, like, do those things function the same way as then as they do for us now? And if not, what are the differences and, you know, what difference do those differences make? <laughs> you know, right. why, why does it matter you know, how it's different? Um, and so I think a great example, uh, I think it's Psalm no, uh, Proverb, I don't have a Bible with an arm's reach. I think it's Proverbs 24. Um, at any rate, there's a passage in the Proverbs where one verse says, uh, do not answer a fool according to his folly or you will be like him. And the verse right beside it says, answer a fool according to his folly or he will be wise in his own eyes. Right. And I think in... In our, in our sort of contemporary context, if you say two things that are opposites, you're just contradicting yourselves. Mm -hmm. If in the wisdom literature, so this is cultural context and, and literary context, in the ancient world, you said two things that appeared to contradict each other, and the job of the reader is to figure out when does the one rule apply and when does the other rule apply. Right. Right. So it doesn't say sometimes answer a fool according to his folly, but it could because that's how that works culturally and, you know, in the literature. Right. Um, as we read that and go, oh, my gosh, the Bible is full of mistakes. See here, the you know, proofreader missed the fact that he's giving two different pieces of advice right back to back and, you know, et cetera. Yeah. That's not what's happening. Everybody who read it the first time knew that the way you read this is sometimes you do A, sometimes you do B. And the great thing about uh, pursuing wisdom is it helps you know the difference, right? Right. Um, so, anyway, I'll, let me stop there for a second. That's, those are the kind of two big things. is the literary context and the 
cultural context. And that both of those things have to do with the text itself, right? right? It doesn't have to do with you as a reader. It has to do with the text and where it comes from. Right. I can imagine somebody that's maybe never had any courses on scripture. They've never had any kind of formal education and they're listening to us talk about it and they go, Oh my gosh, well that seems, that seems like it's above my head, but it's really not yeah. like, like for like what you were just saying example wise. And I think about a, a question. Matter of fact, that I got this week uh, from someone, uh, they were asking me questions about Genesis and, you know, was it meant to be taken literally? Was it a metaphor? Was it, very first thing what type of literature is it and it's historical narrative it, mm-hmm. it is a narrative book it's not a, a poetic book or a metaphorical book um when you sort of grasp the concept of a proper hermeneutic it becomes uh sort of intrinsic to you it sort of becomes part of your being so that it's not like okay i gotta process this every time i read the scripture i gotta go to this. i got exactly, one yeah. one two three four did i do this oh my gosh or i'm gonna get it wrong so yeah. you know d- let me put you at ease don't have anxiety about it okay <laughs> like <laughs> you know don't yeah. freak out on yourself about it what we're trying to do today is to equip you to sort of go more in depth with scripture maybe some of the the things that you're having a hard time applying uh, and you're not sure what they mean, we're trying to give you some tools just quickly uh, that can help you to sort of dig in and begin to properly understand and process uh, some of these passages yeah. that maybe you're struggling with and you want to be sure yeah. that you're applying them properly uh, into your life. Right. And, and so, Brandon, I, th- I think, too, uh, you know, definitely, like you said, we've got to check the literary uh, content uh, context, and, and we 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 check is it uh, how does it play into the larger story, uh, which mm-hmm. to me makes me think of the occasion that it was yep. written towards. It makes me think of uh, the audience uh, to yep. whom it was written. That's I know, right. I definitely think of one of those stories where the audience really plays. Uh, uh, a huge role is uh, the story of the prodigal son. Uh, you know, so many, so many people uh, don't don't realize that that story was being told to Pharisees, and right. and yeah. that the story was as much as it's about redemption, it's about the love of the Father and the pursuit of God towards us. It was also uh, 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 he was also addressing the Pharisees' inability to understand and accept the grace that he was extending uh, to to people who weren't as religious and perfect as they were. Right. And, yeah. and so that that I always think towards that in this context as well. Yeah, that's right. And I think that's a, yeah, exactly. I'm, you hit a couple of things that, that sparked thoughts for me. And one of them is, I'm always nervous when we have a short amount of time to talk about some of these things, because I <laughs> yeah. think... Someone has not thought about them before, and then you hear a little bit, it can be really demoralizing, right? That, <laughs> yes. Oh my gosh, there's all this stuff to consider that I didn't consider. And they're, they may be tempted to say, well, if I'm going to get it wrong, then maybe I should sh- just shouldn't try it all. You know, like just I, right. they, they throw their hands up and say, I can't do this. And I understand that 
feeling. Mm-hmm. But I think, you know, the, the simple, you know, the, the sort of simple solution at one level is just do it more, right? Yes. Like just, just get in there more. And also I think, you know, we make a, we make a mistake when we talk about hermeneutics and all that and forget to mention that the spirit is at work in this process. Absolutely. So there's a lot of great stories of people getting it wrong. The disciples sure. got Jesus wrong for almost all of the gospels. Um, <laughs> yeah. And then there's this conversation at the end where they're on the road to Emmaus and Jesus says, by the way, here's all the stuff in the Bible that's about me and their eyes are opened and they, you know, they get it. Right. Right. And, uh, but the spirit was working in them when they were getting things wrong and the spirit mm-hmm. was working to help them get things right. And what they did is they, that was the right thing to do is they hung in there and they kept going. And so Jesus good. never said, shame on you for getting it wrong. He just said, <laughs> let me explain this to you. Right. Um, and so I think what I, what I would want to encourage people to do is to say, um, if you read something you don't understand and feel like giving up, I think actually the opposite response is more helpful read it again read yes. it again and don't read it alone pray pray about it ask for yes. clarity you know etc and trust uh that that it's the spirit that opens our eyes to things right so right. you're talking about tools and we're talking about best practices um you can have all the best tools and all the best practices and still get it wrong yep if you're not listening to the spirit um and there are plenty of Christians around the world and for all of time who didn't have all the tools that we have and they got it right. Um, yeah. And so, you know, we want to, we just want to encourage people that we're, um, it's better to try it and get it wrong than to not try it. Yes, absolutely. <laughs> so, um, just, so, yeah, swimming, I, just keep swimming, just keep swimming. <laughs> hey guys, just want to take a second and say thank you. Uh, I love doing this podcast i love spending this time with you and i know that there are a lot of things that you are doing and can do with your time and your busy schedule so i wanted to just stop for a moment and say thank you for taking the time to spend it with me and my guests i would love to get to know you more i would love to interact with you more often than just our weekly podcast so follow me on social media at calvin ray barnes and follow the podcast at pastor chats Uh, If you have any questions, comments, concerns, great jokes about bald guys, email me at calvin at pastor.chat. And now back to my conversation with Dr. Brandon O'Brien. And there are these moments that it's like all of a sudden it's clear, Mm -hmm. right? And then then it's not just that that passage it's clear. It's that now it's like you kind of see everything differently. Right. Um, And I think... You know, the in terms of just tools, one of the best tools that I know of is a book called Grasping God's Word, which we used for um, OBU at NLC. Uh, I used it in college before it was a textbook. The professor, the the authors were professors of mine, right? And um, we were the guinea pigs, you know, testing it out. Um, but it kind of gets to what you said, which is we did all these exercises of like underlining words where there's repetition and circle the verbs and, you know, et cetera. So that now when I do that, it's just instinctively, Mm -hmm. that's the kind of stuff that I see. And it's not because I'm smarter than anybody. It's because every Monday, Wednesday, and Friday, they (laughs) made us turn those worksheets in. Absolutely. And, uh, you know, the repetition helps. Um, And so I think the, uh, yeah, so I, I would, 
I would want people to be encouraged that uh, we're not trying to make the Bible like less accessible to you. We're trying to make it more accessible to you. Yes. So don't, you know, don't give up. Don't, don't lose heart. <laughs> Absolutely. Uh, that's Duvall and Hayes, right? Duvall and Hayes. That's right. Yeah. yeah. Uh, that was, that was one of my uh, several textbooks in my hermeneutics class at Liberty university. Uh, so yeah. yeah um yeah i definitely appreciated that and and uh uh and you're right you know the scripture's approachable because the holy spirit lives in us and and it can only ultimately be illuminated by the holy spirit that's right and yeah. and and james told us that if we lacked wisdom if we would ask that the lord would pour it out on us and, and so right. i think it's important that um that if we want to grow, because my my heart for people is uh, for them to not live the same year for twenty years. Uh, you know, we we have um, people sitting in in church who have been followers of Christ for a decade, two decades, three decades, and they're still really immature ultimately in their uh, understanding of Scripture and their ability to rightly divide the Word. Uh, because they yep. just never dug deeper, and, and they never hungered more for the Word of God, and never really had anyone equip them and disciple them on, well, man, if you're struggling with this, here, let's look at this. Here's how you take this and can understand yep. it better. And so my my heart, and I know it's your heart too, is to help yep. people to grow in their faith and, and there's something about learning how to properly and rightly divide the word of God that helps you to understand, number one, who God is, what the word says about who God is. And then when we understand who he is, uh, we begin to, to, to at least somewhat grasp who we are in light of who he is. Yeah, and, that's right. And, and that changes everything when yep. we begin to realize that. And so, yeah. so that's you know that that's really what we're going for here today is just to help people be able to do that, help them grow in their faith. This is, and, and you know, too, it's not a a laborious process. It's kind of like finding treasure. Yep. You know, I think about Proverbs. It, it says it's the glory, or in that word, I, I believe is kavod, which is abundance. Right, it's the abundance of God to conceal a matter, and it's the abundance or glory of of God uh, of kings to search it out. And I love that that verse because it's kind of like uh, it, it's kind of like God's treasure hunt for us. Because if what He's saying is, guess what? There's all this stuff that I've hidden in here. That the yeah. Holy Spirit, that I through the Holy Spirit want to reveal to you. And guess what? I put this abundance in you to want to find things. And I put this abundance of curiosity in you because I understand that in your searching, what you find ultimately is me. <clears throat> and, and I love that because God wants us to be curious. I know some people may have grown up in a church where, uh, you know, don't ask. This is what it says. Trust your right. pastor. Trust your Sunday school teacher. <laughs> now, listen, you do that, you're going to hell, straight to hell. You're going to split it wide of, you know, instead of, <laughs> uh, of hey, you know, the word says, uh, check every word, test it. What, you know, in, in, instead of teaching people how to be hungry, we just, yeah. we just gave them something to eat. Whether yeah. it was good or not, we didn't teach them how to be hungry. 
And I think what yeah. this does is it helps people learn how to fish. It helps right. them learn how to fish, learn how to to seek out the things of the Lord. Uh, you know, even Hebrews chapter six tells us to leave the elementary of uh, things of salvation and uh, in, in the elementary things of faith behind it. Let's grow up in Christ. And and I think what this process, a, a proper hermeneutical process, it helps people do that. Yeah, that's right. Yeah, and you you hit on what I think is the um, is the third kind of big category mm-hmm. that I think is often missing from other conversations about hermeneutics. It's the thing that I think is um, is I, I wish that uh, Duval and Hayes would add in their book, but they're they're uh, doing. Um, it's beyond the scope what they're trying to do, right? They're trying to introduce right. you to the process. Right. But the thing, sort of like third pillar, that uh, so there's the context, uh, the literary context, and there's the cultural context. We talked some about that and all the stuff that implies. But then the third big thing that what you just said made me think of this is is that when we read the Bible, we bring all kinds of baggage with us. <laughs> so. You know, yeah. you mentioned like when we get to know God better, then we get to know ourselves better, etc. And there's a, it's a, it's a back and forth kind of conversation, but we have the same back and forth conversation when we um, are engaging the scriptures, mm-hmm. um, when we're reading the Bible. Um, and so, certain, you know, people heard what uh, Paul wrote something, and he had an intention. The people who received his letter for the first time heard what Paul had to say through their sort of his cultural context and their cultural context. Mm-hmm. And now we're reading it from a different cultural context. Mm-hmm. Um, but we don't stop being American, modern Western readers. When we read the Bible, we bring that with us. Right. right? Um, and we can't ever stop being American Western readers. We're not going to suddenly through, no amount of study will turn us into ancient Mediterraneans, right? It's just, it's not, um, we will never, ever think first instinctively that way, right? We just won't. And so I think one of the things that I have been thinking about since that, since we wrote that book together and, and I'm still thinking about is, you know, the only way to really, um, the, the way to engage the scriptures faithfully is to be aware of all the stuff that you bring with you when you read it. Mm-hmm. Um, and so a really simple example maybe is um, that when, um, you know, I, I know people who have complicated relationships with their fathers, right? Right. And then they read the language in the New Testament about God as a father and we're their beloved sons and all that. They may never have, felt like a beloved son and they may not know what it means to have a good father. And so they're, they're kind of guessing what that's like, but it, it's always a little past their grasp. It's so good. Get it. And that's not because the Bible's unclear. It's not because they don't understand the context. It's because they have baggage that they bring when they read. Right. Right. Um, and so I think that that's, that's an example. It's kind of a psychological example, maybe, or, you know, but cultural one. Um, but then there's all kinds of things like we're individualistic and the first, uh, audience was collectivistic. Mm -hmm. And so when we read you in the Bible, we're always thinking you singular, whereas the first audience would have seen you, you plural, y'all, you know, 
you guys or whatever. Yeah. Um, Definitely y'all because all the good writers were Southern. (laughs) (laughs) See, I just did it. (laughs) (laughs) So I love to tell people that, you know, English doesn't have a second person plural except in the South. And that's why it's the best. Exactly. uh, Y'all is a very biblical term that we we, read. So anyway, I, I think the, where my interest is, and actually I think it's, it's, helpful for people because you could study all your life and never be an expert in all of the literary context. Mm-hmm. And you could study all your life and never be an expert in the original cultural context. But the more you're, you're sort of self-examining and understanding what you bring when you read the Bible, like you can be an expert in you over the course of your life. Mm-hmm. And everything that you sort of process and think through and bring to the Bible uh, is helping you understand yourself and the Bible better, right? So good, yeah, absolutely. To understand yourself, um, you just have to recognize that you're an important part of the process when you read. Right. And sometimes, like we aren't, um, and so I think that uh, yeah. So that's what we're trying to do in in that book is kind of is to say there's some really predictable ways that Westerners misread the Bible right. because of. And it's not to shame us for being Western, although we get that criticism a lot. It's mm-hmm. not to say that we wish everybody was Eastern. It's just to say, look, once you're aware that you're doing this thing, you can deal with it. But if you're not aware of it, you're going to keep doing it and you'll never deal with it. Right. Right. Um, and so, yeah. So I think I may be rambling at this point. No, <laughs> but, no, no. Though, that, that's great. <laughs> I mean, what I take away about that is and, and think about it is. Uh, it's important for us, especially Americans, because like you said, we're very individualistic, uh, very strong in that worldview. It's important for us to realize that the original audience of Scripture did not view the world the same way we do. That's right. Yeah. And that that is and it's important to understand that, because if we don't understand how. Uh, they viewed what was being said. We'll never rightly apply that. I think Duvall and Hayes uh, call that bridging the cultural divide. That's right, yeah. Uh, And and it it is. So it's taking what it meant in their context, what it meant to someone in the ancient Near East, how they would have taken it. Uh, And you don't have to be a cultural expert to do that. That's right. Uh, you you just have to sort of have an understanding of how different some of the larger um, uh, uh, context that they lived in culturally, and you take that and here's what it said. Here's what the original author in this context with this audience with with these people's it was really their own bias as well, their bias, their understanding, and that's what it meant to them. So. How can I take that and, as Duvall and Hayes call it, bridge the cultural divide? How do I cross that river of complete cultural difference and yeah. take that and rightly apply that situationally uh, in, in my life and properly in my life? And it it sounds like a lot, but it's really not as difficult as it sounds. Yeah. Yeah, and I think it uh, it's made easier when – um, we read the Bible with other people. Yes. We talk about the Bible with other people because the problem with your bias is that you don't always see it. 
you need somebody <laughs> to help you point it out. Um, the other problem with bias is we've it's become such a bad word, right? That it yeah. we will all say, no, 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 I'm not biased. I think well, you are. It you your biased is should hit us the same way as you have a nose. Like everybody's got right. one. It's not. It doesn't mean you're evil. It just means that you live in a certain place at a certain time, and that shapes the way you think, right? Yes. Um, but there are other people who live in the same time and place who are shaped by different things. Mm-hmm. People from different uh, uh, socioeconomic backgrounds, people from different ethnic backgrounds, right? Uh, people who, you know, if they're if they have a different religious background or whatever it is, region of the country shapes these things, uh, and so I think. You know, one of the most helpful things for me in this process is even sitting down with somebody that I trust who thinks differently than I do. Yes. And when they read it, they say, this this passage obviously means such and such. And I'll think, well, look at that. Because when I read it, I thought it obviously meant this other thing. <laughs> and then that gives us a chance. Now, you can fight about it and say, well, I'm right for the following reasons. Or you could say, I wonder why. Uh, I automatically assume that. Mm. Or why do I want that to be true? You know, like why? You know, what is there a bias that's working here that makes me come to this conclusion? That's so good. And if I don't see it, the person I'm talking to might be able to see. Yeah, well, you're assuming this and this and this, and you go, "That's right." I, you know, so I mean, that's just part of the without without going to school or you know taking a course, just reading with somebody who's different from you, discussing these things with somebody who's different from you. Um, yes. can really be a huge advantage. We so Unfortunately, much. we often think of that as a threat, right? That that yes. person's you know, trying to ruin my view or they're trying to... Yes. But I think it's actually a gift for somebody to say, oh, look, yeah. man, you've got this one wrong. They may not be right. They may have it wrong. But in the process of, you know, of honest, you know, kind of trusting conversation, mm. um, you'll, bo- you'll both learn something. Yes. Um, which is the gift of christian community right it's not just we feel supported it's that we um we sharpen each other and we like that term except when you sharpen something you you know you're filing little pieces off (laughs) or beating it (laughs) (laughs) some of us are really really dull and we need a lot lot of sharpening (laughs) (laughs) that's so funny (laughs) so but it's so true and i think we could have a completely separate conversation on just that yeah. because I think we're missing a lot in the church yeah. because we refuse to have close relationship with anyone who doesn't confirm our own ideas and our own interpretation of everything. That's right. I, I, yeah. I mean, we, we see that in the political climate in America right now, there's probably no better example uh, yep. then, uh to to see that i mean we're seeing it in the church i mean uh uh there there's there's so much that we miss uh because we do not like to be challenged on what we believe that's right uh, we just don't like to be challenged that's right well and we we don't like to be challenged and the um you know, the wizards who control the internet know that. So, um, so like when you go on Facebook and like something, then the next time you go on Facebook, the algorithms show you more things like that thing, right? So right. over time, that means that the only thing you see in your feed is stuff that reinforces 
your own viewpoint. Yeah. And it over time that that means that you're just over and over and over and over confirmed in what you already think. Right. And um and the it, it's hard to combat that. You have to be I don't even actually know how to fool Facebook, you know, but <laughs> the um but when you take that together with things like there was a study recently uh and don't hold me to the exact statistic but it's close. There's a study recently that said that something like 70-something percent of Americans don't have a friend who uh, is a member of a different ethnic group. Wow. Um, And so, but I guarantee you that uh, most Americans have strong opinions about people in different ethnic groups. Absolutely. Um, It's not based on actual relationships. And I would guess that number is overreported because I would think that if you ask someone if they have a friend who's you know, a different ethnic group, they're going to say, oh, yeah, there's that guy I run into at the corner once a month, and they're going to count that person, right? So right. I would guess that the number is is uh, is even worse than that. Um, but that means we're getting confirmation bias in the news. We're yep. getting confirmation bias in our social media feed, yep. and we're not actually spending a lot of time around people who aren't like us. And so it's not uh, even that we choose to do this to ourselves. It's just that the, the, the world kind of works to reinforce our, our view, yes. whatever it is. Um, and so you have to make a conscious effort to expand it beyond, you know, what's going to happen naturally. Yes. And that can feel really frightening. But I think in light of what we're talking about here, it's not just a good idea and it's not just uh, a warm, fuzzy idea. Like it's our only hope really of, of getting our faith right. <laughs> Absolutely. It's a hundred percent necessary. It's a hundred percent necessary, right. For our own, um, our own personal spiritual, uh, journey. Yeah, absolutely. I, t- I totally agree with that. We, we've got to be better. I think just culturally, not just in the church, but in general too. just uh, being willing to have people in our life. We're missing out on so much life, having people who, who have, uh, alternative opinions to ours and we shouldn't see that as a threat we should see it as a gift yeah yeah i think uh my kids uh watch the new magic school bus uh tv show the new reboot um which is actually really good and there's an episode where they say something about the um you know what a scientist does is they fail over and over and over and over again until they finally get it right um and i really love that and I thought, man that's a great lesson um, because I think we, we have reached a point in Christians are this way. Uh, I think because we, it's very important to us to defend the truth and, you know, to right. compromise our faith and all that kind of stuff. We have to right. figure out how to maintain that value and still be okay getting it wrong and maybe getting it wrong over and over again until we have it right. And recognizing that that, that doesn't mean we're bad Christians. It doesn't mean we've, failed god it doesn't mean we've compromised our faith we're just people so we get it wrong um right and i think that uh that i'd love to see us develop that muscle of flexibility um yes again not flexibility like our our uh values or convictions are always changing but the awareness that we're in process and yeah. we're gonna have to figure some things out and anybody who can help us do that is is giving us a gift right they're not Yes. You're not taking something away from us. Just a, it, it, not flexible in what is true, but we probably need to be flexible sometimes in what we perceive to be the truth. Yeah. 
Yeah, I, I've, uh, um, <laughs> I have told somebody recently that I am more and more confident all the time that the Bible is 100% true and that it is the total inspired word of God. And I'm less and less confident all the time that I have it figured out. Um, <laughs> Absolutely. And so I think that that's where, you know, I'd like for us to head. My confidence in the scriptures has it only gets stronger the older I get. My confidence in myself, you know, is uh, I'm, I recognize that I have blind spots and that I have a lot of them. And, um, and I recognize that more and more as we go. Yes. So, um, yeah. You know, and so I'm, it's important to put, you know, safe people around you maybe when you're soaring. That's a good way to through, put it. But um, somebody who's not going to say, this is my chance, you know, to, <laughs> to right. destroy you or something. Yeah. But I think that honestly that, that we have created that person. I don't think there are as many of those we have. there as, as we think. So um, and no. the church is a great place to do that, right? I think if we're honest, yes. we look around in a, in a service on a Sunday morning, that there are more points of view represented there than we might recognize or that we might yes. um but we either don't feel comfortable expressing that those differences or we we all feel like we have to pretend mm -hmm. like we've got it all figured out and so we yeah. don't ask questions um and but we've got this built-in opportunity to interact with people that will see things different from us and we should absolutely learn to take advantage of that yeah absolutely and and that this really uh spills over into another book of yours that we'll have to talk about another time, um, which I, I'm very much enjoying as well. But I think as we wrap up for today, we'll definitely have to talk about this subject more. I think it's, I think it's very good, uh, even just from a practical standpoint, that here I am in central Arkansas mm -hmm. and you're in Manhattan. Uh, our daily experiences are are probably fairly different. <laughs> uh, I, I'm in a town of about 8,000 people, and there's probably 8,000 people within 200 feet either direction of you. <laughs> so, if not more, uh, if not more. So, uh, I think it's I think it's uh, I think it's fun. Uh, just for me personally, it's fun to to talk about these things, and I think it's uh, I think it's extremely beneficial. Uh, for the church um, to have these conversations and hopefully maybe we'll even be able to have some more conversations where maybe we can find some things purposefully where you and I land in different places yeah. uh, and, and we can discuss those and, and help people see what it's like oh, yeah, that's uh, to have a healthy conversation that's right. uh, about things that they, they may disagree with and, and, and do it with grace. That's right. Um, and it doesn't mean that you have to agree with the other person, but it does mean that you honor that other person and that you, uh, you understand that their value is no less than yours because they value a different opinion than yours. That's right. Yeah. I love uh, that idea. Yeah. Yeah. I, I think it would be fun. So we'll have to do that. Um, but I want to be sure uh, that uh, if people want to be able to maybe uh, get in touch with content, your content, uh, you can buy any of your books on Amazon. Is that true? I know two of them you can. Yep, that's right. They're all available on Amazon. Yep. Okay. Uh, because I bought I bought the last two I have from Amazon. So, uh, <laughs> Thanks for that. And, uh, <laughs> yeah, Amazon should be a sponsor, but they're not yet. So, um, <laughs> so a little free plug for Amazon there, uh, or anywhere books are sold, I'm sure. That's right. Uh, but, but, uh, uh, also you, you have an email newsletter as well, 
Uh, tell us about that real quick. Yeah. So I'm uh, I'm trying to um, write regularly and uh, send out a, a newsletter to people who have you know chosen to receive it instead of just posting into the void of the internet and hoping <laughs> stumbles on it. And so right now, right. Um, yeah, right now for the next few months, I'm planning. There's a, quite a few passages of scripture that are really meaningful to me. So um, mm -hmm. one of them is the story of Gideon and judges. And one is the story of the, uh, of Philip and the Ethiopian eunuch and acts. Mm -hmm. And there's a, a few others that are just kind of keep mulling over them. So I've been, I'll, I'll be writing about those probably between awesome. now and the late spring. And um, so, yeah, if folks wanted to follow that conversation, you can go, there's a sign up on uh, my website, which is, brandonjobrien.com and um there i think on just about every page if you go to the bottom you can sign up for the newsletter and um that would be a great way to follow i reply to emails so if somebody you know gets you get the newsletter and have a question you can send an email and i'd be happy to respond and so um yeah awesome. and that's o'brien with an e that's correct o'brien o'brien yes the yeah. proper way to spell it, I, I like to think. So. Yeah, well, you, you know, I have to say that because I'm in the South and you're from down here. So, oh, Brian, yeah, is, that an, is it an A, an E, a Y, an O? It's it's kind of, it, it takes, vowels take on their own life That's down right. here. You know that. <laughs> well, uh, Brandon, and I have thoroughly enjoyed our, our conversation today. And I think that we... We we we've given people a good idea of what it means like uh, what it means to at least make an attempt at properly dividing the word of God, yeah. uh, trying to understand it from uh, the actual uh, meaning and not superimposing meaning into Scripture, right. and, and objectively reading the Scriptures so that the Holy Spirit can illuminate the truth of Jesus to us, which ultimately is going to lead to life change which yeah. is what we as believers want we want to be more and more like christ yeah. and understanding how to properly read interpret and apply the scriptures uh helps us get there quicker yeah that's right and so um i really enjoyed talking with you today yeah me too thank you for your hospitality thanks for having me yeah absolutely